are you a judger or you're a free or are you a free spirit? So if you are a psychology fan and you read Carl Jung, he will talk about two basic personality types. Now, of course, everybody is some combination of both of them, but he talks about judgers and he talks about free spirits. Now, judgers have a certain view of the world and they like others to conform to their viewpoint. They like to plan. I'll be honest with you, I'm a judger. I have certain ideas. When uh, people are relatively young, they should be um, preparing for their future. Um, they should be presumably getting a job, putting money in their retirement plans, funding their Roth IRAs. Uh, when they are, they, they should have wills, they should have trust. Uh, they should be doing Roth IRA conversions at some point, uh, et cetera. And they should most likely have the cascading beneficiary designate plan as their, uh, for their will or their revocable trust. So I, I kind of have certain ideas of the world. And very frankly, I'm spending part of a career or much of my career actually trying to make that dream or realization happen for my clients and people who follow my information. So I'm a judger. Other people are kind of like free spirits. Well, you know, they are willing to bend to the circumstances that they find themselves in. And they will in effect conform to the world. Now, again, everybody's really some combination, but most of us tend to be more one than the other. So which are you, a judger or are you a free spirit? Well, again, if, if this was in a real room, you know, I usually ask by a show of hands and practically everybody in the room raises their hands and they say, well, I'm a judger. Well, if you're a judger, then you want to make sure that your view of the world, at least to some extent, continues after you're gone. And sometimes you might be in a situation where you have adult children who you want to be their, their, your beneficiary, but you are afraid that that adult child will do something stupid, like they'll blow the money, they'll blow the tax planning, uh, they'll just run through all of it, and then long after you're gone, run out of money, and they have to live under a bridge. Um, they are interested in protecting the adult children from creditors. They're interested in protecting, this is again, I, I mentioned the, um, I don't want my no good son-in-law to inherit one red cent of my money. They're interested in protecting their children against future ex-spouses. So, and again, that's become more and more popular. So these are trusts that we're going to um, draft for adult children, which is very often appropriate. Does it add to the complications? Yes. Um, if the underlying asset is an IRA, does it take even greater care? Yes. Does a trustee have to file an extra annual tax return? Yes. Um, are, let's say that you have one kid that needs a trust and one kid isn't. Well, that's a little bit dicey. Then who do you name as the trustee? Do you name the other kid or do you name somebody else? So I'm not going to say that these trusts don't have problems. And I'm not even saying that these trusts should be the norm. In fact, I would say more often than not, other than the minor's trust, we typically just leave money to adult children outright. 
but sometimes the problems of the trust um, are far less than the risks of not having the trust. And then sometimes you uh, don't want to deal with the trust because again, maybe there isn't enough money. Maybe nobody wants to be the trustee. So we had, we had one situation where the kid was physically afraid of having their spat, of having their sibling be the trustee. They were afraid that the kid was going to slash their tires or do all kinds of things. No bank wanted to touch this. So we actually just said, Hey, the money that was going to go to that spendthrift, um, the executive buys an immediate annuity that gives that child uh, a monthly income for the rest of the child's life, but it's not in a trust anymore. It's with an insurance company who they don't care what the kid wants or doesn't want. The kid gets X dollars a month for the rest of their life. Um, that is a simple alternative. And again, the I don't want my no good uh, son in law to inherit one red cent of my money trust. Um, I would prefer a prenuptial agreement, but if your kid is already married or if they already have a serious boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, I have started fights by bringing up prenuptial agreements. Sometimes you need this uh, trust um, because if you die, leave money to a child, that money, let's say for discussion's sake, you leave a million bucks to a child who is working and married, uh, the child takes that million bucks because they're working and their income is okay, at least for the moment. They're not going into that trust. They invest that trust. Let's say they invest that trust at 7%. 10 years later, that trust is worth $2 million. Then they end up going through a divorce. The divorced spouse can say, hey, I'm, I want um, a marital portion of the appreciation of that trust, I'm sorry, of that money, and since it's a court of equity, it's not necessarily 50-50. And since the child has their own, let's say, million, I want 70% of the appreciation. So seven, And they might win. So $700,000 of your money that you intended for your bloodline ends up going to your future ex-spouse. Well, if that's a possibility, and I don't mean a 1% possibility, but a higher percentage possibility, you might want the, I don't want my no good son in law to inherit one red cent of my money trust. Um, and again, I, I, I would prefer a prenuptial agreement. I like bringing it up, the question of prenuptials when there's no boyfriend, no uh, engagement uh, has even started because then it's more of a theoretical con conversation where if you bring it up after there's a boyfriend or somebody, then you end up in a situation where you, where the child might think that it is specific to that particular boyfriend and girlfriend. And very honestly, I sometimes have, you know, different uh, cultures have um, a, a natural distaste for pre, uh, pre or post-nuptial agreements. So I like bringing that up early. Um, again, it's a good way to start a fight. Okay, so I will take the liberty of um, mentioning, and let's say that I'll do this now, that if you have heard enough, okay, yeah, Jim, I want to talk to you. I'm interested in working with you. Let me describe the two potential ways that you can potentially work with our firm. Number one is you could get a financial master plan. This is where we are calculating Roth IRA conversions, how much money you could spend, um, what you should be thinking in terms of your estate plan, what your wills and trusts look like, even if we're not drafting them. Um, 
again, you know, the estate planning is, is actually a very important part of this. And this is for people who don't like the idea of paying, let's say, 1% to a money manager every year on an ongoing basis. Um, we are typically charging, and depending on your situation, the complexity and the amounts, probably somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 for this service. Uh, very frankly, it is very popular. And I am now to the point, we don't have a lot of room and as our business is growing and growing and growing. And it's not what I think is the best thing for most people. The best thing, I believe, is a continuing relationship. Um, so we're doing fewer and fewer of them. If you're interested in that, um, what you would do is you would fill out some paperwork that lets me know what your um, assets are. Uh, give me a copy of your, well, obviously digital that is uh, right now done through secure email. And then I look at your wills, I look at your trusts, I look at your IRA beneficiary designations, I look at your assets, and then I, de I determine, this is me personally, nobody in my office, if I think that we will be a good fit. If I don't think we're going to be a good fit for whatever reason, I'll say, hey, thank you very much. I destroy all the documents and say, you know, I might give you a tip or two. I might send you some material. Um, let's say, hey, thanks anyway. If I do think that we are a good fit, and typically the way I do that is if I, if I think I can save your family a ton of money, uh, that to me is a lot more exciting. Um, I'm at the agent stage of my life where I'm um, as interested in impact, if you will. Again, I don't want to diminish the importance of uh, financial well-being for myself, but very honestly, I could sell my business tomorrow very comfortably for the rest of my and my wife's life and uh, provide very well for our daughter. But I love what I do. I love helping people and I love actually cutting taxes and it's fun. I'm a chess player, I'm a bridge player, not good enough to make any money in those areas, um, but I am good enough in this area where I can make money. Um, so this financial master plan might be very good, but I'm not really, I don't have the time anymore to discuss whether we are going to be a good prospect or not. So the way we do it is we say, send the information in, then I get back to you. Okay, yes, you're a great prospect or no, you're not. Let's say I say yes, that you're not committed. You still have to say yes, okay, that makes sense. You have to read our engagement letter, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you decide to go ahead with that, great, we're off and running. And in our first meeting, it's not a sales meeting, it's I'm working. And there's typically um, a very experienced, well, a great number crunching um, CPA who's actually going to, um, let's say, implement and run the numbers that I'm often going to outline during our meeting. And the same with the estate plan. I'm going to talk, let's say, about some of the generalities of what I think should be do done. And then one of our estate attorneys, and if you're real lucky, you'll get Matt Schwartz. I'm not going to promise that him, um, will look at your documents, make recommendations, and potentially work with the estate attorney or even help you find somebody from somewhere else. The other option, which I believe is our much better option, is if you become an assets under management client. So, you know, the assets under management arrangement, typically it's a 1% uh, fee on the first million, and then it goes down after a million you know, 90 basis points, 80 basis points, et cetera, depending on how much money um, is invested. Um, 
And do I love our, um, our money managers? I absolutely do. I think that they are terrific. Um, the people we're referring most business to, and by the way, we have a choice of three people, three firms that we're working with, but I'd say the majority of the referrals that we're giving uh, right now is to Buckingham and Adam Yofan. They have their own 40-point uh, process, which I think delivers a lot of value in and of itself. They do a great job with investing using what I would call low-cost enhanced index funds. They are a great size company. They're ethical. I can go on and on about them. You'll uh, meet them if you are, join us for the Q&A later at 1 o'clock. Um, but they, if you didn't know me and you worked with, with them, it would most likely be a terrific engagement where you're paying 1% on an ongoing basis. Um, but if you do it through us, they do the same job that they would otherwise. And we do what would otherwise be a ten dollars or $15,000 job uh, doing this financial master plan the first year. And then subsequently, every year, we have a review and update. So you're having most likely more than one meeting with Adam and his team on the investments, and you're having at least one meeting. We insist on at least once, once a year having a review with us. And if something comes up, we are available. So you, and, and then instead of charging uh, the 1% and 10 or 15,000, the only charge is 1%. How do I get paid? Uh, Buckingham writes me a check for half of what you pay them. So you're paying the same fee, sometimes less, by the way, than you're paying either now if you have a money manager or to, let's say, one of our competitors. And I think that just in and of themselves, Buckingham and Adam and that team are well worth it. But you get them and me for the same cost. We think it's a win-win-win because we think that it is good for um, us because we get to do what we love, which is the strategy part. We don't have to do the money management part, which we don't love. Adam does love that part. And again, he has his own 40 point, uh, let's say value proposition that we think is terrific. And we think the real winner is you. So I will ask the uh, <clears throat> Brian to maybe put up a link. So if you are interested in either of those services, whether it is the financial master plan in and of itself, where there isn't a free consultation, that's you apply and we either say yes or no. And then if we say yes, then you can still say yes or no. Or assets under management, that is a free consultation. That's an important thing because we're talking about a minimum of a million dollars, often more, um, where you're going to want to meet with me, see what we think we can do for you. You're also going to want to meet with Adam and his team, see what they can do for you, and then make a decision. Um, so, and, and by the way, of course, we're interviewing you too, because um, again, I'm not, I'm at the agent stage, I don't need pains in the butt. You know, somebody wanted a detailed question about if there's a dispute, who, who has jurisdiction, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. I thought, huh, this, guy, this guy's already ready for a fight. I've, I've been in business for more than 30 years, and I've never been sued. I've never sued anybody. I have no interest in fighting with anybody. And if I even smell that, that's thanks anyway. So let's give this another try. Uh, Can I you hear me, Jim? 
I can hear you now. I can't Wonderful. hear you. Okay, I can hear you. well, because the chat was really thanks for the suggestions, everybody. So before it, you were the only one that couldn't hear me, and so everybody was like, "We can hear you. We can hear." But okay. Well, there's questions. I need to hear you too. No, it's very important <laughs> to be able to hear me. Okay. So um, first of all, bravo on explaining the offers. That was great. I don't even have any, you know, like adjustments or anything. Um, so if you are interested in signing up, everybody, um, the offer, Eric has it up over the chat right now. If you're interested in either one, just click fill out the form um, and the form is where you'll indicate which option or if you're interested in both. It's right there on the form, super easy to do. Um, and I really do encourage you to sign up soon because we call people in the order that they sign up and we had a ton of signups yesterday. And we also have a lot of end of year work for current clients that we have to factor in. So we definitely want to, you know, if you are interested, now is the time. Actually, yesterday was the time, but now is really the time. I'm going to correct you on one thing, Erica. Mm -hmm. You said it's super easy. The truth is it's not. We, oh, ask, we, ask for a lot, we ask for a lot of information. I ask you to fill out a questionnaire. I ask oh, you absolutely, yes, assets. but not, not right away. So okay, the form right, right. they're filling out right now is easy to fill out, yes. But, but for, for whatever it's worth, a lot of times people complain about the time that they have to spend preparing to meet with me. And the reason I do that is because if I do meet with you, I want I don't want to spend the first half hour asking questions that could have been handled in a questionnaire. I don't want to ask about your will. I would rather read your will. So I actually spend a bunch of time, not only before I agree to meet with you, but if I do, then I go through your will, I go through your tax return, I go through your asset list, and I actually prepare for these meetings. Didn't mean to interrupt you, Erica, but I, I, I now realize what you, what you were saying is, it's very easy to sign up for it, and then you get the questionnaire, and a list of things that we are looking for. Exactly, anyway, we'll yeah. And let's, maybe we have some questions. Yeah, we do, else. we have some questions from the live room. Um, so the first question that I wanted to give you is from Reed and it is, okay, he says, if uh, most of our net worth is in IRAs and residents, is it feasible to not have a trust but to use beneficiary designations and transfer on death POD, payable on death POD, on taxable accounts and a ladybird deed, which I looked up also sometimes Jim called an enhanced life estate deed on the residence. Yeah, uh, let's let's forget about the ladybird for the, for the moment and let's just talk about the idea of uh, paid on death accounts for after tax dollars as a method of avoiding probate. The problem with those types of accounts is it doesn't have any of the what ifs. I won't tell you I've never used it. I have. Uh, it's simple. It's easy. Sometimes you have, let's say, an elderly parent and there's a house and you want a quick way of transferring that house at death to the one single remaining beneficiary and the, the, old, the older uh, owner of the house doesn't want to go through a whole new will and trusts and blah, 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 blah. So sometimes, so again, I won't tell you that we've never used it. The problem with those documents is that they don't cover the what ifs. So I'll just give you an example. Our documents, let's say the normal, I call it the I love you will, um, leave it to Beaver. I leave everything to my spouse, but 
if my spouse <clears throat> isn't alive or doesn't want the assets, it goes to my kids equally. If one of my kids um, dis is either predeceased or disclaims, then it goes into a trust for the benefit of my grandchildren. And here's the 10 page, well, maybe five page trust that explains all the uh, ramifications and all the specifics of that trust, particularly the underlying asset is an IRA. So I will just tell you that I, that, that it, some people call those the poor man's way of avoiding probate. I will just say that if there's any kind of significant asset, it is not my favorite um, <clears throat> vehicle because we don't have the ability to preserve flexibility. And my whole thing, and we're going to get more into this later on, is so in, again, 35 years, we've, we love to do projections. You know, if this happens and this, if this happens and that, if the interest rates are this, da, 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 da. so we always make a lot of assumptions when we run the numbers and do these financial master plans. Unfortunately, I will be the first person to admit that we've never been right. Something happened that we didn't think was going to happen. We thought he was going to die first. She died first. We thought the one kid that was going to do great and the other kid was going to do terrible. And the kid that we thought was going to do terrible, they did great. We thought one kid was going to have kids and the other kid wasn't. And the kid that was, blah, 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 blah. So whatever we think is going to happen, something else is going to happen. And I like to have flexibility in the documents. And the TOD or um, pay on death accounts you give up your flexibility. Again, I won't tell you I've never used it, but I don't think that that is appropriate, particularly for larger estates, and particularly when the cost of doing them is relatively small compared to the total value. So if you have a couple million dollar estate and you're looking at a five or $10,000 uh, fee to get the estate plan done right, that's really pretty insignificant. Now, if you have a $100,000 estate and you want to avoid um, the cost of redoing wills and documents, yeah, I get it. Uh, but anyway, I hope that, I hope that helps. But I'm, I'm really a little bit hostile to people who are trying to simplify because they give up too much, at least with the documents that we do. We're going to talk about disclaimers, and we're really big on disclaimers. But um, I don't in general like that because I don't like tying the hands of the executor in limiting options. Um, I would much prefer to expand options. Hope that helps.